0: Hey everyone, this is Ashley Ellenboss with Sky House Herb School and Apothecary. Today we'll be talking about disordered eating and herbal approaches from my perspective as an herbalist. So for those of you who might find this to be a triggering topic, I invite you to just sit and listen to your body and see if today is a good day to listen. And if it's not, no worries. There are a lot of other wonderful podcasts you can listen to. So for those of you who do want to stick around, we'll be talking about disordered eating, what it is, some statistics, uh, some insightful people that I have found to be very helpful in understanding this topic more. I'll be sharing some of my personal experiences with disordered eating, and then some of the plants and the ways that I found helpful in my own journey, and that I know a lot of others have also found to be supportive. So if you haven't already and you like my channel, please subscribe. Please also like this video if you find it helpful, as that helps other people to find my work and uh, to get access to this content. So I wanted to start off with some statistics, just to kind of place us in this sphere of of disordered eating, of exactly who it affects, how it affects people, and what it is. So eating disorders affect people of every age, race, gender identity, sexual orientation, and background. At least 9% of the world's population suffer from disordered eating. And I thought this was really interesting. Less than 6% of people with disordered eating are medically diagnosed as underweight. So there's probably a lot of people out there With disordered eating, who you wouldn't from the outside be able to tell. They're not super thin. They're not even very overweight. Um, They might look like they have normal, you know, just sort of a normal body frame and body weight, but that does not mean that they do not suffer from disordered eating. Eating disorders are among the deadliest of mental diseases, second only to opioid overdose. So, this particular mental. Disorder has some pretty big health ramifications. And then one thing that I also found to be interesting is that this can be genetically passed down. So disordered eating has, there's been um, in some studies, they've shown this to be linked down through generational lines and through heredity. So it might be interesting if this is something you suffer or struggle with to look back through your family line and to see if there were any patterns that you've noticed and you know again i think this can be both just through the through genetics but also through behavior and then also um it was interesting that to to note that Disordered eating is higher in BIPOC communities and in minority populations. And I was reading through, and you know, um, just just to note that this isn't, you know, that this isn't just sort of a, a white upper class, you know issue which is i think sometimes what we think it is we think it's oh you know these are people in hollywood or these are you know people of privilege but uh you know a, a lot of people are affected by disordered eating and you know not they don't all fit the same stereotypical role and actually most of them don't and there was this really interesting i was listening to um i don't know if you all listen to we can do hard things with glennon doyle so she recently came out as uh with a diagnosis of um anorexia. And so it was really interesting to listen to her experience of anorexia and also um some of the ways that she's processing and healing from this, which has been a long-term disorder in her life. Um, but one of the she, she quoted a, a study in Fiji that I thought was really interesting. And they found that Three, so in Fiji, they did a study on this community where they had no access to TV. And three months after TV was introduced to their society or to their culture, they noticed an increase in, like a, you know, huge increase in disordered eating. And then they went back and they asked mostly these women, the the women, why what why is it? You know, what is it that um You know, what's changed? What has caused the change in your eating patterns? And the women, they basically said, we noticed that the women in the highest roles or who had the highest status were the ones who were the most thin. So for them, it wasn't about beauty. And I think this is an interesting point because I think for a lot of women in in particular, or those who identify as women that you know? There's this idea that oh well, it's you know we starve ourselves to be beautiful, but if we go under the surface of that, um, for a lot of people, and this is something that Glennon was talking about in her podcast, was for her it was actually more about status. And power that the reason she controls her eating so much and tries to maintain this very slim figure is because it gives her a certain status. And and then um the woman she was interviewing, Sonia Renee Taylor, an amazing woman who wrote a book called The Body Is Not an Apology, she came in and to said, you know what kind of power you know what are you talking about by status is this the status and of the world you create or the status quo of the society that we've been indoctrinated into and so right like it's if we really you know we kind of have to zoom out a lot when we talk about these topics because while they are very personal and very personal you know, they feel very intimate to us because it's our body and the way we deal with food and the way that we perceive our body and perceive food. If we are able to zoom out and say, well, why do I feel this way? Why do I think this way? A lot of it is this cultural construct of what power and status is. And as a woman, especially, you know, in order to be liked, in order to get the job in order to get the man or to get the woman whatever it is that we have to have a certain look and that look gives us status which gives us a hierarchy or gives us a competitive edge over other women and so what if we were to say to ourselves um i don't want to play that game you know that actually is a very unimaginative way of living you know what if power and status come from authenticity rather than some superficial look that i'm trying to achieve and you know this is something that i'm i'm i struggle with you know this is something that that i am constantly asking myself too is who you know who is the authentic voice and who is speaking from the indoctrinated culture and and of expectations that are not even my own. So let's let's talk a little bit more. Let's 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 talk a little bit more now about these different types of disordered eating and uh you know for many people there they will not ever be diagnosed. So you know the the idea that only 9% of the world's population suffer. I mean I think that's probably underreported. So the three Main types of eating disorders are anorexia, which is weight loss or maintenance by extreme dieting, starvation, or overexercising, binge eating, which is frequently eating large amounts of food in one sitting, and then bulimia nervosa, which is purging, using laxatives, exercising, or fasting to avoid weight gain after binge eating. Most people with disordered eating have all of them it's not, they don't typically have one. Usually there's, you know, one maybe main heading. It's kind of like in Ayurveda. It's like you usually have one dosha or one constitution type that is like the dominant one, but we have all of them. So for people who suffer from disordered eating, you likely have a combination of these three in different amounts. And, um, and this was a, 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 a really interesting kind of description of disordered eating um, from Medscape, which is people turn to the attempt at controlling food intake or eating their emotions instead of dealing with underlying problems, usually trauma, low self-esteem, shame, and unworthiness. So the eating disorder is a, it's a symptom of a deeper issue, and one of the things that Sonia Renee Taylor was speaking about in when she was interviewed by Glennon Doyle in the We Can Do Hard Things podcast was she talked about this, the power of the imagination into imagining new ways of being and new paradigms, new worlds. And she told a story about how she was Traveling through the world, you know, she was she was doing a bunch of traveling, following her desire for wanderlust. And she sat down and was doing this meditation, connecting to her inner child. And as she sat down with the little girl inside of her, the little girl was like, I want to go home. And I want to go back to Philadelphia. I want to eat a cheesesteak or I want to eat a hoagie or something like that. And, you know, the the mental part of her, her mind was like, No, freedom is travel. Freedom is being independent, meeting new people, experiences. But when she really sat and listened to the authentic voice inside of her, the deepest, smallest voice, that little girl's voice said, I want to go home and I want to have a hoagie. So I think when we think about disordered eating, we can think about what is that little voice inside trying to say that we keep shh shh, shh quiet? Stop! And, and and then we reach to the outside for some sort of substance that will quiet that. That will quiet that voice that's trying to be like, "Hey, hi, hi, I'm right here. Um, I'd like some rest, please. Could could I have a little rest? Could you take a nap? No. Okay. Go ahead and and, and binge eat all those chips. Or you know, what if the little voice is saying, you know? Um, hi, uh, I, I really hate my job. My job really sucks. It's kind of killing me. Could we find a new type of work? Could could we do that? No. Okay, all right, well, um, fine. And then you go into controlling all of the things that you're actually not in control of, right? So what is that little voice? What is that little girl inside or that little person inside of you? What are they saying? What is their desire? And and her point was is that if we can listen to that. That all of our deepest needs will start to get met, and our ability to accept ourselves and love ourselves will exponentially increase. So let's let me read a few quotes from Sonia Renee Taylor. So she says, <clears throat> She says, when our personal value is dependent upon the lesser value of other bodies, radical self-love is unachievable. And we live in this culture where everything is comparison. Right. We're like, well, she's achieving all of these things. So that little voice that wants me to rest. No, no, no. Don't rest. Don't rest, little part of you, because you have to get to where these other people are. You know, you can do that, get to where they are. And then we quiet our voice. Or we think, oh, I've got to achieve this certain thing. Um, so I've got to keep working this job that I hate because I, I have to save up to get that thing that I really want. And then then I'll be happy. Um, or then, you know, then I will find the safe same satisfaction as so-and-so did. Or if I starve myself today, maybe I'll get that, that nice stomach that so-and-so has on Instagram or whatever it might be, rather than saying, I need certain things and I have my own desires that look unlike anyone else's. And what if I just sit with those desires and I vision board and I journal and I give myself time and space to really flush out my own unique interests and my own unique gifts. How might then my desire to control or to uh you know um what's the word when you're trying to copy someone else um I know you're thinking of it <laughs> when you try to replicate right so what someone else does you then quiet your own voice. So radical self-love and this idea of self-acceptance can't happen if we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people. She also says radical self-love demands that we see others and ourselves in the fullness in the fullness of our complexities and that we work to create space for those intersections. And I just love this cuz I remember back you know when my disordered eating started when I was about 16 was that i i i felt like and i think this was also coming up you know from living in a in an alcoholic family was that i had to be in control of myself and that i had this certain weight that i needed to get to there was like this number and if i could just get to that i would be okay and everything would be great and then i would you know i just had this idea that this number meant that everything else in my life would become perfect but what i wasn't doing was creating space for all the different parts of myself that needed attention and love and caring and so i you know i was thinking about it you know in in my life now as a 40 something year old that these that the more i try to fit myself into a box or the more i try to think about numbers as goals the less I'm living in the real world, which is complex and full of variation. And I was thinking specifically, and I don't know if some of you can relate to this. Probably you can if you're listening to this herbal (laughs) podcast. Um, But that, okay, you love nature. You love to be outside. You imagine yourself in the ideal world wearing an apron and filling it full of twigs and berries and deer walking up to you and eating out of your hands, right? Like this idyllic woodland woman woman. Uh, world where you and nature have this you know inexplicable inextractable connection and yet you also live in a modern world where you like to actually have a vehicle to drive to the store in um, maybe you also really like nice clothing maybe you really like, cozy shoes or slippers maybe really like beautiful scarves <laughs> or earrings right so you have this other part of you that is very much in the world right but then you have another part of you that very much wants to be outside of the world and in the natural world so I, I guess it's they're both of the world right None, neither of them are out of this world <laughs> they're both of this Earth but they're very different sides of ourselves and very different expressions of who we are. And so if we're always trying to say, I have to push this one away and only be this one, or I have to push that one away and only be this one, um, then what we end up doing is we end up missing the beautiful intersection which makes us unique, which is I am a nature lover and a woman who loves soft sweaters. (laughs) And I can be both. Um, And so the more we embrace our own complexities, the more that we start to love ourselves and find acceptance. And the more we say to ourselves, it's not a number on the scale that defines my worthiness or that defines how good I am but rather it's a place in my body that is unmeasurable it's a place where i feel a certain way about myself and about my life that is that it, it's hard you know it's like un, you can't define it as easily as a number can and that's why we turn to numbers and shapes and sizes and these ideals of beauty and status because they seem like okay well they're measurable i can get there But really what a healthy way of being in our bodies and moving towards this radical self-love and accepting and without apologizing for who we are is this idea of really coming into close connection with how crazy we are inside, (laughs) how much we have. How many desires we have, how many nuances. And my husband and I talk about this. Like, I have so many nooks and crannies, like in my head, in my world. There are so many secret doorways that for many years I just ignored. And I said, you know what, door? I'm not ready to open you, but um, I know you're there. And uh, we're just going to keep you locked for a while. I'm going to put a bookshelf in front of you and maybe pretend like you're not there. And now I'm starting to push the bookshelves to the side and say, what's in that doorway? and i open it up i'm like oh, dance parties you haven't gone to dance parties in in years you need to go that's a part of you when you ex- you know when the more we open those little spaces the happier we become because the fullest the fullness of our expression starts to get integrated uh, i wanted to read a quote mm-hmm. from um from Sonia Renee Taylor. I thought this was a really nice one. She says, radical self-love summons us to be our most expansive selves, knowing that the more unflinchingly powerful we allow ourselves to be, the more unflinchingly powerful others feel capable of being. Our unapologetic embrace of our bodies gives others permission unapologetically to embrace theirs. So what we're doing when we're opening up all of these parts of ourselves is we're not only giving ourselves permission to love what we love, to desire what we desire, but we're giving others a chance to also feel that freedom in their bodies. And I think that's a really, I mean, that is a very transformative practice, not only internally, but also externally. Now let's turn our our focus and our attention to the plants and to herbs because herbs can play a really important role in how we tend ourselves and these different spaces and rooms inside. The first thing that I learned that really changed the way that I nourished my body was something that I learned from both Rosemary Gladstar and Susan Weed through the use of nourishing herbal infusions. And so this is the practice of using large amount of tonic herbs, soaking them overnight in water and then straining them and then drinking them throughout the day. So my favorite herbs to use for these nourishing overnight infusions are nettles and oat straw. Nettles are really good for people um, who maybe are a little bit more on the sluggish side. Maybe you are very hyperallergenic, um, hyperreactive to things, hyperactive. <laughs> um, so it, it, it has this great combination of being both activating for people who are sluggish, but also calming to the hyperinflammatory responses of the body and the allergic responses of the body and the irritation responses in the body. So if you're a very <laughs> reactive type person, um, but you're also maybe prone to lethargy and sluggishness, then nettles is gonna be a really nice fit for you. Um, if you tend to run really hot and dry, I haven't found this to be true for many people, but there is a small amount of people who run hot and dry who find this herb to be too hot and dry. So I'm going to give you a solution for that. Now, the other herb is oat straw. Oat straw is more of a lunar herb. Nettles is more of a solar herb. So oat straw is going to be very cool, very moist. It's very good for an overtaxed, anxious nervous system. So if you feel like you are depleted, you've been burning the candle at both ends, your whole system is just burnt out and dried out, then using oat straw is a really wonderful nervous system rejuvenative tonic. And for both of them, what I would recommend is that you find, I'm looking around, I don't have a mason jar, nearby, but a quart-sized mason jar, you fill it up with about one, I would say about half a cup to one cup of dried herbs. And this is a lot, you know. You might be like, "Oh my gosh, that's a lot of herbs." Well, these are tonic, and you need a lot of them. So, what you'll do is you'll put half a cup to one cup of dried nettles or oat straw. Or if you tend to think you're kind of in between, you can mix them half and half. So you could do maybe half a cup oat straw, half a cup nettles. This they, they work really well together, as you know, they balance each other's qualities. Pour hot water over the top tap it, let it sit on your counter or on a windowsill overnight, and then in the morning, strain it and drink it. The ideal is that you let it steep for six to eight hours. Sometimes I let mine steep for like 10 to 12 hours. Uh, Really, if you let it steep more than like 15 hours, it'll start to get a little yucky. Um, So try to find somewhere in between there that will work for you. And then you just drink that throughout the day. I like to do it at night. So then in the morning, I strain it and it's the first thing I drink and I'm drinking it throughout the day. And and i usually finish it by let's say 3 p.m. um and so i've really started i've i've i've, I've kick started my day with those medicinal herbs and again the idea is nourishment rather than thinking about what you need to take away which is very much this restrictive position we need to change that our position to an additive one so think about rather than what do I need to take away, what do I need to control? Think about what do I need to add? And everything that's going to be nourishing is what you add in. Rest, little naps, which I'm going to take today. I my, my little inner Ashley said, you need a nap today. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to take a nap today. Um, that's a way that I nourish and I tend myself so that I don't go into patterns of trying to over-control <laughs> you know, my energy or you know, over-caffeinate or whatever it might be that I, I could reach for. Um, other ways of nourishing yourself are writing, reading. Usually these activities that are going to be very nourishing are solitary activities. They might be things like going out and dancing. They might be things like meeting up with a friend for tea. But for the most part, time in nature, ways, you know, taking your dog on a walk, these are ways that you're going to fill up your battery. You're going to replenish your stores. And all of these are going to be great ways of supporting your nervous system and adding things in. You know, the other thing I wanted to say as a a closing is that, you know, in addition to nourishing yourself with herbs, and I I guess maybe another another class of herbs that i think would be very helpful here uh, would be nervines so if you can find a nice blend of nervine herbs that would include milky oat tops Blue vervain is a favorite of mine, especially for that like over-controlling type of mindset. And skullcap, which is sort of that anxious overthinker spinning a million plates at the same time. And you know, if you can find a good blend of nervine herbs and take that with your nourishing herbs, the voices that are not yours will become quieter. And that is such a gift. It is such a gift to yourself and to those around you. <laughs> and then um and then i was going to close with just talking about the imagination and how we if we if we have used our create our imagination to get ourselves into this particular disordered way of thinking and being we can use our imagination to bring ourselves out of it so think about for yourself how can you achieve the internal status that you've been looking for? Not external, but internal. Like, what are the things that make you feel satisfied within yourself? For me, it's when I wake up taking a shower and thinking about what is it that i want to wear that is going to best express how i'm feeling inside today i'm like i'm feeling like um i was feeling like i really wanted to wear something a little red but i also wanted to feel cozy and earthy so i was like okay i'm going to wear something that's that has a reddish tone and then this is my favorite uh s- scarf that i got when i was living in australia um and then these earrings were just sort of soft and i just love i don't know i just love the way that they feel feel. (laughs) So I, I, you know, I chose this outfit and then I put on my pants that are big and baggy because I just wanted something really flowy on the bottom, something a little more fitted on the top. Um, So it wasn't about like, what's going to make me look thin today. It was what's going to make me feel the way I want to feel. I used my imagination. And so this is something that I have to do for myself because, you know, for me in my journey with, eating disorders. Um, it really peaked in my early twenties, um, and, and started moving into bulimia and funny how the throat chakra is like, okay, are we going to say this? <clears throat> I guess we are, <laughs> uh, that it was through y- really yoga helped me to fall back in love with my body, to see that my body was more than just something that needed to look a certain way, but my body was an apparatus of chakras and energy centers and power, and that I could move my body in certain ways, and I could just sit with my body. I think that was probably one of the most powerful things was, oh, I can just sit in my body. And that is a like. My body can just do that. It can just simply be what it is. And my mind is not my body. My mind is all these thoughts spinning, twirling, you know, you know, coming up with all these schemes. But they're while they are connected, I don't have to punish my body for the things that my mind has created. And I got that insight through regular yoga practice. And also exercise and finding ways of exercising that weren't punishment based. So it's been a journey for me. And I, you know, I, I sometimes find myself, I'll find myself going back to thoughts of of control and restriction with food. Um, but because my relationship with my body has changed so much and I have such an appreciation of my body. I never, I've never, i never gone back as far as where I started. And so for those of you who might still be really feeling trapped by your mind in the way that your mind is perceiving your body, I just want to say that there is a way out and that every bit of progress will take you forward and you'll never go back to the lowest point and that has been such a relief for me is to say you know today's not my healthiest day but it's also it's also way closer to the healthiest place i've been so with that i just want to say thank you for watching thank you for listening please nourish yourself today in whatever ways with whatever plants feel resonant for you check in with yourself give yourself lots of grace and lots of care because this journey is one that we are all on um in ourselves. You know, this is a this is a solo journey that we're on. And by talking about it with others and sharing it with others, you can feel support that might help you be a little bit more brave, right? Like that that quote that I read. It might help you to shine the light that will allow others to also shine their light more brightly, and give permission to yourself and others to be more authentically yourself and to not have to play small. So thank you. Be well, love yourself, love each other, and leave your comments. I'll see you all again soon.